Hello, I'm Mariette Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is My son has diabetes, our low-carb lifestyle. My guest is Vicky De Beer, professionally trained chef and freelance food stylist, writer and photographer from Woerden in the Netherlands. Welcome Vicky, I am so happy to have you on the show. Hi Mariette, thank you very much for inviting me. To our listeners, after our conversation, Vicky will give us her three tips on how to start a low-carb lifestyle and then it will be fun question time. Now Vicky, you and I have known each other for decades working together at Roy Rusa magazine and I have the most wonderful memories of those days. Me too, Mariette. It was really such a wonderful um, thing to work at a glossy women's magazine for so many years. We just really lived the good life then, hey? Yes. Now, you and your family immigrated from South Africa to the Netherlands in 2020. Could you please tell us a little about each member of your family? Yes. So, uh, we came with my husband, basically. He was uh, headhunted and, and, you know, received a job offer in the Netherlands. His name is Joe and he is a, a data modeler. So, we all came with him and uh, we brought our two sons, Nikolai, who is 16 at the moment. And he is at a Dutch school in the Netherlands here in Woerden. And my uh, middle son, Luca, 21, he is currently studying 3D game design. And then my eldest son couldn't immediately come with us because uh, if you are over 24, you cannot come on uh, what which is called the MVV visa, the invitation visa, to come and work in the Netherlands. But then luckily he already met a, a young Dutch girl called Fleur a, a year before. So he came with her and his name is Llewellyn and they live in Den Bosch now. They recently got married. So we are very blessed to have our whole family here together in the Netherlands. Yeah, it worked out very well. Now coming to our topic, Luca was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was only 8 years old. Could you tell us what happened? So um, Luca was from the beginning of that year, January, I was concerned about Luca's health. Um, initially, I thought he was being bullied at school because he was just really tired in the mornings, didn't want to go to school, didn't have any energy, couldn't get up in the mornings. Um, and, you know, we, we were worried about him, but it was always fine. Um, and then in March of that year, they, uh, Joe took the boys on a father and son camping trip of the school. Um, and then when he noticed at this camp, because they were together for three days constantly, that um, Luca was drinking a lot of cool drink and water and constantly uh, thirsty. And when Luca got home, I could smell something on his breath. It was like a sweet, fruity smell. And I immediately thought that he was, you know, that it was a throat infection, that he was getting sick. Um, so I then a bath for him after camping they don't wash for three days you know boys and men mm. so um to put him in the bath and when he removed his t-shirt i could see his 
he was lost a lot of weight. He's see the ribs at the back of his his back, and he was just very very thin. And it's very strange. People think, um, how could you not notice it before? But type one diabetes onset, the moment that it actually happens in the body, is actually quite quickly. It happens quite fast. Um, so although we've, it's been building up for a few months, the sudden onset was was very very quick. So um, I immediately put him in bed. And I was worried about him. Uh, obviously, something in my stomach. It was just like a big hole in my stomach. Just felt something is very wrong here. This is not normal. And that night, you won't believe it, with us being magazine girls, um, the other magazine that was in the same stable as Rueda was called Your Family. And I was paging through Your Family magazine. And there was an article about type 1 diabetes. And I will never forget this, um, because on the right-hand side of that page, in a little pink block, you know, a copy block that they always did with designs, was the, the just saying there, it's constant thirst, frequent urination, and unexplained weight loss. And just something clicked with me. So the next morning when we woke up, I had a very big food shoot with clients, which I could not cancel. And I asked Joe to take me a look up to the doctor, and thinking that it was still just a throat infection. And then 10 minutes later, he phoned me and said that they are on their way to the ICU. Luca has type 1 diabetes. His blood sugar is over 32, which is very high. Um, normal people, healthy people operate between 4 and 6 mole of, of you know, glucose in the blood. So it was very, very high. And he could go into a diabetic coma. So he was admitted to hospital. And then we basically lived in the hospital for about five to six days um, because the doctors now had to stabilize him. He went into DKA, which means his pH levels um, of his body changed. So it was, was a really serious condition. And then they basically trained us in the hospital how to deal with type 1 diabetes. Um, and I think up to that point, we still believed that it was something called juvenile diabetes, that it's something that you will outgrow, that it's just, you know, that it's not something permanent. And then slowly but surely, people just, you know, they, they're very good in the hospitals. They're very direct, and it's quite shocking, but they basically tell you, listen, your child has type 1 diabetes. He will have it for the rest of his life. You can try to get other opinions, but this is the correct diagnosis. You only have this high blood sugar numbers if you have diabetes. And he will need to take insulin for the rest of his life, every day and you know, of his life. Um, so it's quite a shock. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you had to take him home and you, start, you had to start a new lifestyle. What were the biggest challenges you faced? You know, in the beginning, everything um, is really hard for a new parent because we're not medically trained people. Um, but suddenly you have to do things like injections, putting needles on, changing cartridges of, of injection pens, working out carb counts for your meals. Um, and I always said, you know, I, I wasn't good at math at school and suddenly I had to do math every day of my life um, because every meal you have to weigh the amount of carbohydrates on it, and then work out the insulin injections accordingly. So in the beginning, it was just so hectic for us as a family to come to terms with just the physical um, organization of diabetes. 
I remember I had to take Luca to an um, eye specialist because they have to test their eyes every year uh, to see if there's any damage caused by high glucose levels. But, you know, because he's so well managed, luckily it has never happened. And at the doctor, I had for the first time had to change the cartridges of the insulin. He, had, You know, he needed insulin. And I was shaking so much. It was such a traumatic experience. I couldn't do it fast enough um, that the poor eye specialist had to help me and he was shaking after a while and you know um, it's just the physical coming to terms with with things like injecting a person and also what happens when there's an emergency if, if his sugar goes so low if he has what you call a hypo you know it's in the beginning very very stressful so I think the first year or so we really just came to terms with with having this as part of our family's lifestyle and dealing with it on a day-to-day basis. So if you talk about going into a hypo, I'm sure you fear for his life then. Yes. So um, if his blood sugar goes under, it it depends on on different diabetics. Um, Luca is what we call hypo-aware. So he can feel when he goes really low. But many, many diabetic children cannot feel it at all. So if he goes below three, um, then he can pass out and he can also literally, you know, go into a coma. So there's a special procedure that you have to do that you have to inject him with, um, with glucocon, which is a hormone that will bring him back. So it's, it's all these emergency measures that you had to learn and that you're always kept at the back of your mind. So that's when he's in a hypo. And then if it's hypo, if it's very high, if it goes over, for us, it's if it goes over 10 or even 8, you know, then he's also not feeling well. So you can literally see your child sort of, everything is fine. And the next moment, he, his little body would just implode in front of you, you know, and you know, oh, dear, there's something wrong. Um, and then we must first test his blood sugar because you never know whether it's a very low blood sugar or a very high blood sugar. And obviously, when it's a low blood sugar, Luca needs to take some form of glucose or sugar to bring his blood glucose levels up. But if he's very high, he needs to take insulin. So it's very important to first do testing and, and realize what's going on exactly. So those years... We only used a finger prick uh, test. So you had to literally prick the little finger, get the blood out, and then measure it. These days, we have a wonderful system called the Libre Glucose Monitoring System, which is literally just a scan, uh, a little device that we implant into his arm every two uh, weeks, and he can scan it with his phone, and we can see what his blood sugar is. So the, the management of diabetes has also improved quite a lot over recent years. Speaking of the management, how did and do you manage Lucas diabetes in terms of lifestyle? So in the beginning, we basically did normal carb counting, which is the process that you are taught in hospital by doctors and dietitians. And, you know, Lucas' doctor always said that he is so well managed. He's one of the top uh, patients in his practice with over 500 diabetics because you have to diligently weigh off all the carbohydrates and then, um, you know, inject for it and so forth and so forth and so forth. Um, But, you know, Luca always had these extreme highs and extreme lows, so there's ups ups and downs, which really drained him and made him feel tired. And also you couldn't plan anything because, you know, you would go out for the day with the family and then suddenly Luca would hypo uh, and become extremely low or 
very high and things like that. So it was, it was not very, we didn't ever feel very safe. And then a few years after Luca's uh, diagnosis, I met Professor Tim Noakes, um, and I'm sure you've heard of him, the writer of Real Meal Revolution, one of the writers. Yes. There were many. And uh, he told me that, actually, you know what, we don't need uh, as many carbs, carbohydrates, as people say. So I sort of started reading up and studying about low carb, the low carb diet for diabetics. It was not well known in South Africa. In fact, you know that he went he had a, quite a hard time in South Africa yes. um, because of that. So there was a lot of resistance about it. But there was a doctor, Dr. Bernstein, in America, in the USA, that did this low-carb protocol. And I met a wonderful woman, uh, Renal Henschel, a South African woman, living at that time in Washington, D.C., following the same regime with her son. And she started teaching me how to do a low-carb lifestyle for a type 1 diabetic. Um, because remember, Luca needs insulin. He has to get insulin every day of his life because you need insulin for many body processes, not only to cover the glucose in your blood. So I could not cut all carbohydrates and all food and then lower the insulin or take the insulin away because I think for many type 1 mothers and, and carers out there, they think that's what's going to happen. If you cut the carbs, you don't have to inject anymore. But that's not the truth. So we upped the Luca's protein intake. So we inject his insulin according to his protein intake and removed all the white processed and starchy carbohydrates like rice and potatoes, cakes, um, biscuits, chips, things like that, and replaced it with fibrous green vegetables and low-carb vegetables like cauliflower, pumpkin, and things like that, avocado, things like that. So from about that was about five years ago, and since then we've been managing it in that way. He's 21 now, so he is managing his own blood sugars now, um, but he still follows the low carb way of eating, and we eat low carb as a family because you know when we started with this way of of eating and this lifestyle, I realized that we will have to change as a family. Luca cannot have to eat. Uh, zucchini noodles on the side and then we eat pasta um, that would never have worked so we made a complete transformation as a family and uh, saw the benefits of it having more stable blood sugars um, no high blood pressure also things like inflammation levels uh, which I always struggled with you know muscle pain and, and joint pain my whole life I think it's it comes part and parcel with being a chef and standing all day so there's many improvements that happen in our health as well when we moved over to low carb. Right. I know Luca is a young adult now, but on behalf of parents with a child who has diabetes, I want to ask you some questions. The first one is, a parent cannot always be present to ensure that the child makes wise decisions. How did you approach this? So from the start, from his first diagnosis, uh, we really were very open with Luca about what is happening in his body and um, explaining to him exactly how these things work and also what would happen if we didn't look after him very well. You know, because the complications for unmanaged diabetes with high glucose, constant high glucose levels are very, very extreme. We're talking about losing your eyesight, um, you know, losing limbs, 
when you're older, um, just having heart attacks, um, damaging of veins, things like that. So we didn't want to scare him. We never did that. But we were very honest with him. And from the start, we just said, okay, but this is the whole family. Again, there wasn't two sets of rules for us and, uh, and one for Luca. We went into this as a whole family. And I must say that even, um, you know, Nikolai was still a baby, he was still small, you know, too small to remember. But even Llewellyn, uh, my eldest son, he took so much responsibility for Luca, helping him with the injections when I was not there for lunchtime and things like that. So I think it was just being honest. And then, um, but it was it was very hard because we had to deal with, with obviously with the school. You take your child to school and, when he was eight years old, he was just really too young to do his own injections and to make sure that he injects uh, timelessly and so forth. Um, so I always uh, taught the the teacher of the year in the beginning of the year. I had a whole session with him uh, to teach them about diabetes. And then also I gave them a lot of visual aids to put up in class, you know, very easy to follow. What happens if Luca is below two? What happens if Luca is above 10? Things like that. Um, but we were very lucky with Luca in the sense that he never really was the child that cheated. I know some teenagers and some kids will drink a can of Coke or they will eat chocolate um, secretly and then the parents would get there and the blood sugar would be sky high without reason. And Luca just really never... He never did that. I can't remember even once where he, I mean, he would always ask me, can I have this? And then we would work out the insulin injections. I never said no to him if he really wanted to have a chocolate. I mean, and even now being 21, he is so good with watching his blood sugars um, because he, you know, he knows how he feels when he feels good, when his blood sugars are stable and he hates feeling bad when his blood sugars are too high. And uh, he, he really takes good care of himself. I also wanted to ask you, if you have a child with diabetes, how do you handle it when you visit friends for, say, for supper or you when you go to a restaurant? So um, friends normally, I mean, they know you have a diabetic child um, and we have wonderful friends in our lives that will always have something low carb there for Luca. But before we really ate uh, low carb in that way, I would just take something with for Luca. You always, I mean, it's the same with parents uh, dealing with kids with severe allergies. You know, you have to make sure those things uh, are not there. Like if somebody is very allergic to nuts, people make sure that there's no nuts in the vicinity of their child. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with a diabetic child. Um, you make sure, you ask beforehand what's going to be on the menu. And if there's nothing, uh, you know, applicable then you take it with I always baked a lot of special things for Luca that I kept in the freezer so if he was invited to a kid's party or there was a party at school that he had his own snacks to to, to eat um, or made sure that I knew what was being served and worked out the carb counts for him beforehand and you know added a little sticky note in his lunchbox with the injection numbers for him when he was little um, and I think restaurant eating is very challenging because even, you know, no matter how well Luca looks after his blood sugar, you're not going to go to a restaurant and have a salad if you're 21 or even if you're mm. nine or 10. 
you know, you want the maybe the burger or the pizza. And we still do that once in a while because, you know, it's life. We cannot, we would kind of keep it away from us. And it's nice. It's We enjoy going out together. But we have our systems in place. Um, you know, it's very hard to inject for a, p- a whole big pizza. It's a lot of carbohydrates and uh, lots of cheese on top of it releases slowly later. So you have about three different waves of gl- glucose being released in your blood sugar. So what we've come to realize is that if Luca only eats half a pizza with a big salad on the side and we inject twice, once before the pizza comes and once an hour after he had the pizza, then we successfully can manage uh, a pizza. So you learn how to successfully manage these things. And I think that also differs from diabetic to diabetic. Some diabetics can can handle more carbohydrates. Luca has been on a low-carb carbohydrate diet now for almost six years. So, you know, his body is very sensitive to carbs. For example, if you eat a burger at a restaurant, then we've realized if Luca just takes off the top burger, the, that burger bun, and only eats the, the salad and the patty with the bottom part of the burger, then we can inject successfully for it. So we try to, again, just reduce the carbohydrates of the meal to make it more sort of controllable. Vicky, how does one cope with the stress linked to having a child with diabetes? I don't know. <laughs> There's no correct answer um, because, you know, it it comes in waves. Um, it, it depends on how well, you know, they say you are only as happy as your unhappiest child or something like that. Yes. <laughs> um, and if he's not doing well, obviously you carry that stress. Um, and, and we went through our part of very, very stressful situations with Luca, you know, at school and when he went on, to, you know, on school camps and things like that. But then there's also just this constant underlining sort of uh, stress that you have about your child. You just constantly worried about his health. So I think to talk about it uh, with somebody, with a professional is very important. And again, doing it as a family, a unit and supporting each other is very important um, and constantly hearing also from Luca how he is doing and how he is coping because diabetes burnout is a very big thing. It's a definite thing from the diabetes carers, just, you know, always constantly having to monitor your child, constantly having to watch them and, and organize things. People just get completely just burnt out from it. And on the other side, the diabetics themselves, they with, especially if they're young, um, and then going into their teenage years and all those hormones kicking in, they they really struggle with dealing with this whole uh, diabetes issue and how to handle it day to day and just being different. You know, when you're a teenager, you don't want to be different and you're just different. Um, so the stress is not always about diabetes. It's a lot of time more about how other people treat your child because he is a diabetic friends and, you know, um, teachers and the school and things like that causes a lot of stress for parents and worry um, about that. I mean, it's it's truly sometimes the things you hear about schools just refusing to allow diabetic children in, in the school and things like that. Horrible things. Yeah. So it's a lot of things to deal with. Um, and I think one should have a close family unit and talk about it constantly and if it gets too much, you need to get help from a from a therapist and just talk about it because it is it is in the first place for everybody a very a traumatic experience 
to go to the hospital, to be in ICU, and then to go home with his child, and you are responsible for his life and his death, you know, literally, by injecting him with, with a substance. So we also took Luca for some trauma counseling after his diagnosis, and I think that was a wonderful thing that made a big difference for him. So he dealt with that trauma quite quickly, and then also uh, the therapist gave us some tools to use that when he you know, when we got, he got some anxiety, how to deal with anxiety. That's excellent advice, I think. And when you look back over the years, I'm sure you're happy to see how well he is faring these days. Yes, it is. It is quite wonderful, um, especially now when he turned 21. You know, it was for me such a significant number because, um, you know, when they're very small and you sit there next to their bed and you have to wait to test their blood sugars while they're sleeping or sit awake because they're just hypoed and you cannot go to sleep until they're out of the hypo because, you know, it's so it's it's life threatening. Uh, you really wonder how you're going to get this child to, you know, to adulthood and to raise them. And um, to be, you know, for him to be now 21 and a young man that really is just happy and living in the Netherlands, which was quite challenging to immigrate. And he really took it in his stride. And, uh, you know, he's studying in Amsterdam. He goes by train every day on his own to Amsterdam. And he looks after his own blood sugars and he manages himself so well. Um, that, yes, I'm just really proud of the young man that Luca has become. And what I hear when I talk to you is tackling this problem as a family. I think that is very important, that you handled it that way. Yeah, I think that is core to the whole um, lifestyle change that we made and also the way that we dealt with Lucas diabetes and um, I, I know there's also a lot of single moms and single dads out there dealing with their child being diagnosed with type 1 um, and my suggestion to those people is just build up a support network you know get people around you that even though you're not in a in a relationship and have a partner to to, to you know build this on to get people that you trust, a good dietitian, your local uh, pediatrician, your doctor, carers that you train that can look after your child, your teachers at school, and build that that um, network uh, for yourself. Because you, I don't think it's a road that you can do on your own. Thank you for that advice. Now, Vicky, your family's transition to a low-carb lifestyle inspired you to write a book detailing your journey, and that was the award-winning Low-Carb Solution for Diabetics. And I was wondering what writing a book of this nature involves. Yeah, so it came about quite interestingly because I was actually proposing another book to a publisher and we just uh, had lunch together and I started talking about Luca and about, you know, this whole diabetes thing. And she just looked at me, um, Libby from Quiver Tree Publications, and she said, this is the book you should be writing. So and they, the whole thing changed. And it actually happened quite quickly because we were literally in the process of of doing the low carb lifestyle from you know from start from the start at that stage so i was constantly in the kitchen anyway developing recipes and if luca didn't like it we didn't keep it and if it it uh, influenced his blood sugar too much we didn't um, include it so the the book came right at the sort of moment when we were in this process so it was a natural sort of progression of of what we were going through 
And then Libby also pulled in Kath McGore to co-write the book with me, a very well-known dietitian in Cape Town, very knowledgeable about um, low-carb, because at that stage she was treating uh, young children with basically the keto diet with uh, epileptic uh, that got epileptic fits. So she knew exactly what was going on with blood sugar and things like that. So it was quite amazing to have her on the one side, all her knowledge and years of experience with this uh, way of treating children with for something completely different and now applicable on type 1 diabetics. So um, it was amazing. And I worked very closely to all the people, uh, you know, doing their diet, according to Dr. Bernstein in the USA, lots of advice from them. So the book came about very quickly, I must say. And um, up to this day, I mean, it was then picked up by Pavilion Books in the UK. And it's been published basically in all English-speaking countries, Canada, uh, you know, Australia, New Zealand, UK, and so forth. And um, it's amazing how many people still contact me randomly. It's just amazing. You get this little message on either Facebook mm. or somewhere saying this book changed our lives. Thank you very much. You know, and it's been five years. So uh, it was one of those wonderful moments in time when everything just came together. And is this the book that's being updated and is going to be republished? Yes, so we, we already had an updated version for the UK release. So in the UK, it is called the Type 1 and Type 2 Diabetic Cookbook. But now we are also working on the South African version uh, to update that because, you know, things have changed quite significantly in the world of diabetics, the way it's treated, there's new insulins, there's new devices. And I think low-carb is more mainstream now for diabetics. And then also we want to include more for type 2 diabetics uh, in this version. And then you're the author of My Low Carb Kitchen, which was published in 2016, and of Low Carb Express, which appeared last year. Yeah, so My Low Carb Kitchen also came very, very short on the heels of my, uh, the Low Carb Solution for Diabetics because many, many people approached us and said, I, we, we would like to follow the low-carb diet. We think it's better, but we're not diabetic. And also, the first book was so focused on children um, and, you know, kids from kids' parties to how to deal with your kid at school and things like that. So we brought out My Low-Carb Kitchen right after my, the low-carb solution with some of the same recipes that were in there and then new recipes, but more for the broader public, for you know people without any diabetes or other diseases that just really wanted to do low-carb as a lifestyle. And then when we arrived here in the Netherlands, it was just, we basically landed in January and then in March, everything closed for COVID. It was complete lockdown. And I had this book um, already proposed to uh, Penguin Publishers in Cape Town. And I couldn't find a photographer because everything was closed. You couldn't even have more than one guest in your house at one stage here in the Netherlands. Um, you remember, it was very hard, mm. those first lockdowns. So, um, you know, Joe, my husband and I, we just said, listen, let's just take this plunge. I've been doing food styling for so many years, working with photographers and uh, the photographer that I worked with a lot uh, in Cape Town, Charles Russell, is a very well-known photographer. He said, you know, he, he's sure I can do it. 
I must just do it. Um, I have enough experience working with him for so many years and other photographers. Uh, so I did a, a course, a, a photography course and online, and we ordered the camera. And yeah, I did the book on my own. And um, we did it in, in Wurden, and Luca was the only person that could assist me. And it was so amazing, you know, to work with him. And he is such a technical, you know, the young guys, they're so chilled with anything technical. He figured out the tripods and all the other things while I was prepping the food. And, yeah, we did the book together. And that was quite, for me, coming full circle, you know, um, thinking that the first book started with him, you know, being diagnosed as a small boy. And here he was now, a young adult, working with me on a local book. Yeah, and I must say, I love the book because we also try to follow a low-carb lifestyle, although, uh, of course, we're not ill, so it's not, it's not always that strictly done. But you've always been, for years and years, my go-to foodie, Vicky. If I want to look for recipes, I first go to look at your recipes. <laughs> Thank you very much. You, you are a very loyal supporter, I must say. <laughs> no, I'm not loyal. I just like what you do. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and your food is beautiful. I mean, the shoots are always beautiful. Uh, but we will, I'm going to, to include this podcast in article form on my website, which will be linked to this podcast. And then we'll have all the information about your books in that article as well so people can get the information or otherwise I'm sure if they google Vicky de Beer book or recipe book they will also find them won't they yes um, they will definitely find it on take a lot and all the online stores the low-carb solution for diabetics that's why we are reprinting it now it's sold out so just give us a few months uh, for that but the other books are all available at take a lot and at Woolworths, at uh, bookstores nationwide, and then also the international book is available on Amazon.com. Uh, so, yeah, it's available everywhere. Thank you. Now, I was wondering, when you look back on all the challenges that you've faced since Lucas' diagnosis, what kept you going? Sure. Um, you know, I for me, I always wanted Lucas to have a happy, normal childhood as far as possible within this, within the limitations. And that was the main drive for me and to keep him healthy. Uh, I always said that what we do now is for the day when Luca turns 40 or 50 or 60, that he doesn't have a lot of health issues that, that, come, that can potentially come from diabetes. So for me, that was the biggest driving force um, is to keep him as happy and carefree as possible as a young child. And now to keep him as healthy as possible until, you know, he reaches an, an older age. And then, of course, I, I said this before, you know, just having a very strong family bond really pulled us through. And then, you know what? The one thing you do is you pray. <laughs> mm. Just stay on your knees and, and pray. So we are a Christian family. And um, yeah, there was many times where prayer was the only thing that could get me through. So yeah, that's what we did and still do. Thank you, Vicky. I forgot to mention that you're also the food editor of Lose It magazine, which is South Africa's only low-carb magazine. Would you like to say a little about that? 
Yeah, so that for me was also quite a blessing in my life that I didn't know would, would stay with me for such a long time. I started with doing Lose It because I did all the low-carb books and so forth already when we were still living in South Africa. And um, the one most amazing thing was because I started doing my own photography here in the Netherlands, uh, with COVID and all the lockdowns in the Netherlands and in South Africa, I could actually continue doing work for Lose It which was really a blessing because, you know, at some stage that was the only thing that kept me going was developing these recipes and just staying busy with everything that happened with us. So, yeah, I think it's it's a very, very big blessing in my life. I enjoy working with low-carb recipes and still sharing recipes with readers. It's, it's a, a wonderful thing to do. Where can listeners contact you? Um, I'm on Facebook and, yeah, I have a website, BKDB website, where they, they can find my contact details. Yeah, people seem to find me anyway. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have. Uh, <laughs> uh, these days with social media, it's amazing how people are connected. Yeah, so they can find me on Facebook. Yes, I'll connect the, the link to your website to this podcast as well. Thank you. And now we've come to your tips for starting a low-carb lifestyle, which you say people find a little daunting. I think there's especially a lot of parents out there with type 1 diabetics that actually they understand that it will change their child's life. But to actually go over to doing it is is a very hard thing to do. And I mean, even for us, when we started on the low-carb diet, when I came back from my meeting with uh, Professor Tim Noakes, I met him at his book launch, at the book launch of uh, Real Meal Revolution. You know, I threw out all the the starches in our house, all the pasta and the rice and the oats and everything I threw out. And that lasted exactly three weeks because, you know, you cannot just do it overnight. So then I started slowly but surely doing it. And I think for me, that's the thing. Even if you can reduce the carbs in two meals a day, it will make a big difference to your own blood sugars, to your own health, and especially to a diabetic child. So we started with first starting with one meal a day. So we started with breakfast because the kids always loved, uh, you know, things like scrambled eggs and omelets and sausages and bacon, those things. So for us, it was easy to do breakfast in the mornings. And also we could immediately see Luca's blood sugar stabilizing. He felt better at school. He had better concentration. Um, he had more energy at school just because we changed breakfast. Then we started with dinners because dinners, I had time to cook in the evenings and I just basically substituted all the pastas and the rice and the potatoes for low-carb vegetables, for broccoli and green beans, made my own noodles with zucchini noodles, things like that. And eventually we found different dishes that the kids all liked. It takes a while. Uh, they don't go for everything um, in the beginning, but you, just, you must just persist. I think the fact that you sit around a table and everybody eats together and the kids see you also eating the same food as they do, they also see you eating healthy food, makes it a lot easier. And I, I know that our lifestyles are busy. We don't all have time to sit around a table. So 
if you cannot do that, it's just the fact that they see you eating the same food that they do, not do separate meals for children, separate meals for adults, and especially not separate meals for your type 1 diabetic. Just make them feel included in the family and everybody eating healthily. So, yeah, we took it slow. We first did breakfast, then we did dinners. And then I started working on lunch boxes because that is very hard. You know, uh, kids love to eat a sandwich or a hot dog or whatever. So to substitute bread in a lunchbox was very hard in the beginning. And it took quite a long while and trial and error to find things that Luca really liked to eat. And then basically we were uh, a proper low-carb um, family. And interestingly, you know, we were on this low-carb lifestyle for about two months before I could really see a significant change in Luca's uh, overall blood sugars. I almost actually gave up because, you know, after doing this for a whole month, I, I couldn't really see a significant change in his blood sugars. And then after a month and a half, I could see that he, the lines on his graphs with his blood sugar readings were far more, you know, it was straighter. So it was still a little bit high, but it was straight lines. And then I thought, okay, let's just hang on here a little bit. I can see some improvement already. And then after about three, another three weeks, I wanted to say, suddenly the sugar dropped to a very sort of stable between six and seven, and the line was just a straight line. Not always. Diabetes is a challenging disease. You will not have constant, constant stable blood sugars. There's too many things influencing your blood sugar. Um, and then we realized this is the right thing to do. And I still remember that that was the June school holiday and my mom came to visit and she came to me and she said, what's happened uh, with Luca? And I was like, no, nothing has happened with Luca. What do you mean? And she said, he has changed. You know, he is, he's just another boy. And I said, in what way? And she said, he's just laughing a lot more. He is making fun of everybody. He is just, you know, a happier child. And, uh, Gee whiz, that for me was 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 quite significant and was actually quite a big shock because, you know, you live with your child every day and you, you just seem, you're so close, you don't realize. And I didn't realize how sick Luca was actually feeling before, constantly. And because my mom only saw him, um, you know, every six months or so, she could see the difference in him. And it was just because of his stable blood sugars, more stable blood sugars and healthier lifestyle. So... If ever I hear about a type 1 diabetic, a newly diagnosed, this is the story I tell them because you want your child to be happy and normal. And people say that eating a low-carb diet is not normal. You know, then you should let your child eat pizza and chips and drink uh, fizzy drinks and so forth. But that is actually what's making your child feel bad and feel sick. Keeping his blood sugars stable and giving them nutritional, nutrient-dense foods, giving them enough energy that is what's making your child happy and that will keep them happy and healthy for many years to come. Thank you, Vicky. May I ask you your fun question? Yes. Yeah. I give you a fun question. You don't give me a fun question. <laughs> no, I'm asking you one, but you're welcome to ask me one as well. <laughs> okay, go for it. Now we're going to an imaginary world. At Vicky, I know you are a lover of cats. My question is, if you could offer each cat living in Africa one experience that a cat living in the Netherlands may have, what would that experience be? 
driving on a bicycle or riding on a bicycle. <laughs> In the basket, I would hope. Yeah, on a basket. They take their cats everywhere. It's interesting. They they walk with their cats with leads. I mean, we don't see, you never go for a walk with your cat. No. Uh, you know, cats in Africa are, you know, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's not funny at all to, to walk past uh, somebody on a bicycle and in front of the basket with a little hood over, a little cat is in there, or you walk past somebody with a backpack on and there's a cat inside. <laughs> Um, or a cat walking on a lead next to you. It's uh, it's a different experience to be a cat in the Netherlands. Yeah. It sounds to me that in the next life, all cats should try to go there. Yeah, they love their cats. They love cats. They also, cats are everywhere on the street, you know, because the houses are right on the street front. Um, and the cats are also much more sort of approachable and friendly. If you call a cat, they'll come. You know, South African cats scatter away. Mm. And they're used to hiding behind walls. Um, yeah, so it is. the Dutch really love cats. Mm. Thank you, Vicky, for sharing your story and for providing such practical tips and I think solid inspiration for parents who have children and for adults who have diabetes. Thank you very much. Thank you for talking to me, Marie. I really appreciate it. And to our listeners, it was good of you to join us. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, marietsneyman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneyman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9 